Well, good evening, New Life Brisbane. How is everyone today? Everyone's good. As they said before, my name is Scott. I am the pastor at New Life Cool and Gatter. And I'd really encourage you to come along to Naturally Supernatural. Mike Pilavachi has been a few times to New Life over the years. And if you're thinking, oh, Holy Spirit, is it going to be crazy and weird and all wacky? No, it's not. We believe as a church, we do everything in an orderly fashion, as Paul teaches us. But also, Mike Pilavachi is very gentle. He's very gentle with the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to explore more about who the Holy Spirit is and how he can move in and through your life, really encourage you to come along and be part of that. It's an awesome time. All of us will be there from Cooley, so we can all hang out together, which would be great. We're actually in week three of our sermon series called Crucial Conversations. And as was said, Alex was meant to preach today, um, and I wrote this message for Cooley. So hopefully it's okay for you guys. Hopefully it translates. There's lots of scripture, so at least we know that that speaks to every Christian. Amen? All right, so that bit's going to be good. But Jesus calls his followers to love their Lord, their God, with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And therefore, as disciples, part of our apprenticeship means using our minds to think and reflect and grow. We look back on the story of Jesus and we look forward into our cultural moment because modern culture, it continually shifts, right? Like society is perpetually changing all the time, but God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to be looking at abundance, stewardship in the age of scarcity, basically greed versus generosity. And you might be thinking, oh no, I've given up my Sunday evening to come and listen to a giving message. What have I done? Why am I here? Well, you might be thinking, hey, church is always after my money. No, we're not after your money. You know, I know that for a fact down at Cooley, we haven't preached on money since the two and a half years since we've been planted down there because we believe that God is a God of generosity. And as Christians, we are generous naturally. But here's the thing. I wrote this message for us today, and it's part of our topic in the Crucial Conversation series because We don't like to talk about money, especially when it's about being generous. We love to talk about making money, but not actually giving it away, true? Yeah? Or is it just me? Like, I'm the one who struggles with that. So before we get into the message today, I would love to pray, because I need some help here. So would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word, Lord, for your word is truth. Lord, it's full of your grace and your mercy. So Lord, I pray that you would help me preach your word today, that I preach it with grace and truth and love, that in the end, Lord, they wouldn't look to me, that only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness, in Jesus' name, amen. So what I want to do is I actually want to start with the objections, maybe the questions that we have about giving, because I think if we, if we don't address these questions, they may stop us leaning in today. Because if we don't get them out of the way, there might be a chance that we won't be open to the Holy Spirit and a, a transform, transformation of our hearts regarding generosity and what the Bible actually teaches. So I want to start with a few of these questions. First question is, do we have to tithe to the church? No. And I look at the elders and they, are we okay with that? <laughs> no, tithe was an Old Testament law. Now, that was brought in the Old Testament through Moses. God told the nation of Israel they must tithe to the Levitical priests to run and be able to minister to the Lord and the running of the tabernacle or the temple. And so it was this 
this law that came in, I want you to support these people because they're ministering to me and ministering to you. And the actual tithe was around about 25% of their total income. And so at the time, that wasn't just the full amount. Sometimes there was other offerings they would give. They would give like free will offerings on top of that. But this was an Old Testament, Old Covenant law. We are under a new covenant because Jesus fulfilled the Old Covenant. Amen? And now as New Testament, we're under a new covenant of Jesus Christ. We're not under the old law. So we're not under the law of tithing. So the next question comes to mind is, why do Christians give 10% to the church? Do I have to give 10% to the church? No, you actually don't. This 10%, we think it comes from the law, but as I said, 25% was from the law. 10% comes right back when Abraham gave 10% to Melchizedek, one of the priests of God. And so this, we see this, this idea of giving of a percentage of what you have to the Lord or to the service of the Lord way back at Abraham. There's even giving that goes back even further, right to Cain and Abel, the, the sons of Adam and Eve. They give an offering to the Lord out of their heart of thankfulness. So we see throughout the whole of Scripture where people actually give to the Lord out of this heart of generosity. So do we have to give 10%? No, it's basically Christians have adopted this as a basic principle. If where do you want to start if you want to give? It's a principle that we've adopted over the centuries where we decided that 10% is a good place to start, but it's not a law. You don't have to give 10%. So the next question is, what if I have no money? <clears throat> That's okay. Please do not feel guilty if you don't have any money to give. You know, and if you don't have money, please let us know. We would love to assist you with food or clothing. We have an arm of the church called New Life Care and really love to assist you in anything you may need. You know, we see this in Acts, right at the beginning of the New Testament church. There were people who had property, and they sold their property, and they came and brought all the proceeds, 100%, and they laid at the apostles' feet. And the apostles distributed that out to the poor, to the widows that didn't have anything. So please don't feel as though you have to give financially. We're here for you if you need that. But what we can give is of our time and of our talents. We can all love each other really well. So the next question is, do I have to give money to come to this church? No. You are welcome here free of charge. We don't charge for the truth. We don't charge to preach the gospel. We don't charge for a church service. We need to hear this. Church is not a consumer product. It's not. That we do humbly ask, we come before you and we ask, if this is your church family, if this is where you worship and you're part of the community, that you would consider giving to the mission of God through this church so people have a place to come, to hear the gospel, to be saved by the grace of God, a place where they can come and worship together. And so then the last question is, as Christians, do I have to be generous? <clears throat> that is a resounding yes. The Bible is very clear from the start to the end that we are meant to be generous towards one another with our time, with our talents, and if you have the means, yes, with your money too. We're actually meant to be generous in all of life, not just to the church or not just to Christians, but in all of our life. That's actually a natural fruit of the Holy Spirit. Those who are in Christ desire to do good things. And so this is what we're going to be exploring today. And you might have disagreed or agreed with what I said, and that's okay. Just email Alex. <laughs> He'll sort it out. 
Now, honestly, if you disagree, that's okay. I'd love to have a coffee with you. I'm sure Alex would love to have a coffee with you and talk through this as well. But now we've got some of that out of the way, we'll actually be reading from Mark chapter 6, verses 31 to 44. And it says, And Jesus said to them, the disciples, Come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. So they departed to a deserted place in a boat by themselves. But the multitude saw them departing, and many knew him and ran there on foot from all the cities. They arrived before them and came together to him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them, because they were like sheep, not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things, and the day was now far spent, and his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii, half a year's wages worth of bread, and give them something to eat? But he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven And he blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. 5,000 men. Now I remember before I was a Christian, I was very, very, very selfish You know, at the time, I had a wife and two kids, and all I cared about was myself. All I cared about was spending money on myself. At the time, I had four different cars, all at the same time. I had one in the garage, which is a race car, and I had another one that I was sort of building up. I had all these cars, and I spent all my money on myself because I loved them. And I used to get really upset if I had to spend money on something else, like on the house, because that's my money. I should be able to spend that on myself. And I remember just sitting on my bed one day, thinking to myself, I have everything. I have a beautiful wife, two healthy, amazing boys, have a house at Burley, have a high-paid job with heaps of weeks off, but I was empty. I had no purpose, I had no meaning in my life, and I thought to myself, this can't be it. And then I became a Christian. And God started working in my heart. He started working through all that selfishness and that greed. And so I got rid of all that stuff. And and I started giving to the mission of God and giving to others. And I realized that's where life is. Something had shifted. Something had changed in my heart. And I think this story of feeding of the 5,000 reflects where we're at in our time and culture, but then also the power of generosity. You see, we live in a culture of abundance. But our culture was always teaching us that we don't have enough. You don't have enough goods. You don't have enough experiences. You don't have enough wealth. You need more, more, more. And we see people on social media or on TV or the person down the street that have more than us, and we feel incomplete. We feel like we need to have more to be happy. Therefore, we feel like we don't have room to give because we lack all our heart's desires. 
But as Mike preached last week about stewardship of creation, there's 1.5 times enough food being produced for every single person in the whole world to eat. And we Australians throw away $36 billion of food a year. We throw that away. You know, that would suggest that we do have enough and there's plenty of room for generosity, and that's just in food alone. That's not talking about other consumables like clothes or shoes or electronics. And and we're not generous because we think we don't have enough because I actually need more than I currently have. You know, we have a phone that's probably not even a year old, but the new iPhone comes out, and I just got to get it. I just got to spend another $1,200 on a phone because it's cool, right? Even though my phone's fine. Or I've just got to get that new car. Or I've got to get that bigger and better house. Or I've got to get that 20th pair of shoes because I feel cool when I walk around and they make me feel good, right? And we just spend and spend because we think we haven't got enough. We think we've got nothing to give because our culture persuades us that we need more. Did you know that Australians earning a total house income of 100000 a year puts them in the top 10% of the richest people in the entire world. Yet when you talk to the average Aussie, they'll tell you they don't have enough. They're not actually content. They desire more. And what we do is we have this mindset of lack, though we are actually rich. We have this mindset from our consumer culture, and it forms us into selfish and greedy people. And not only is our culture forming us and convincing us that we don't have enough, we're actually looking to a future of a possible recession. And we're currently experiencing high, super high inflation and cost of living is going up. So it would be really easy for us to say, I need to keep all this to myself out of fear. So as Christians, what do we do to fight the culture of not enough and a fear of the future? How do we change our mindset of not enough to a mindset of more than enough to share? Let's look at this story in Scripture. Verse 35, it says, When the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, This is a deserted place, and already the hour is late. Send them away, that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. Here's this concept. They, they find themselves in a deserted place. There's not enough resources, right? There's not enough food. It's a place where you can't get any of that stuff. And the disciples are like, send them away. Get rid of them. That's not our problem. Do we think like that sometimes? Do we look at the world and the need in the world and go, not my problem, send them away. But Jesus answers and says, no, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii, half a year's wages worth of bread, and give them something to eat? I just love how Jesus just calls them out, right? Because, oh, you don't think there's an, you feed them. I'm actually calling you to feed them, which is quite funny because Jesus is God. Like, he could have just made bread appear. He literally could have turned the stones into bread, but he didn't. Why does he tell his disciples to feed the people? Because Jesus wants to address this, this greed and this selfishness and to teach his disciples to be generous in the face of limited resources. Not to hoard things, hold on to things for themselves. But we don't have enough money, the disciples like, complain. We don't have enough food. We need to keep that for ourselves. There's only enough for us. We've got a little bit here, but it's deserted. We've got a long way to go. So the disciples could have actually kept that food they had to themselves, right? And that's what our culture is making us think. 
It's what the fear of the future makes us do. It's, it's keep it to ourselves. And what we do is we convince ourselves that keeping everything is okay. You know, often we go and pray at dinner time. We say, Grace. And it's interesting, I hear people go, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this food, and we just pray that you would feed the poor. And it's like Jesus says, you feed them. Like, I've blessed you that you would be a blessing. There's enough food in the world to go around. I'm actually calling you to partner with me. It's almost like, thank you for all this abundance. You deal with that. Send them away. Right? But we have enough for ourselves. Timothy Keller says, there is an inequitable distribution of both goods and opportunities in this world. Therefore, if you've been assigned the goods of this world by God and you don't share them with others, it isn't just stinginess, it's injustice. And all through the scriptures, God actually puts in practical ways to ensure that we share resources so all are blessed. In Leviticus, God passes this law that you cannot reap all the way to the edges of your field. He says, when you reap, leave the edges. Leave the edges of your field so the poor can come and reap, so they can eat anything that falls off the cart or you drop, leave. And they get to come along. They would walk behind those reapers and they would glean and they would get stuff to eat. God put this in. He says, you feed them. I've blessed you with all of this. I'm asking that you just leave the edges. I'm asking you to feed them. Is it bad to be successful in life, to make a lot of money, to have a big business? No, it's not at all. But God doesn't want us to reap it all for ourselves. God blesses us that we would be a blessing. And he says this to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. It's so interesting. This was the commission that God gave the nation of Israel they were meant to be blessed, that they would be a blessing to all the nations around them. And this is what they failed to do time and time again as they turn inward on themselves in greed. So if God's blessed you, then he wants you to bless those that don't have much. But we think, well, no, that's my money. That's my time. That's my talents. I don't have to give it to God or anyone else because it's actually mine. But Timothy Keller says, a lack of generosity refuses to acknowledge that your assets are not really yours, but God's. See, church, all we have is a gift from God. Mike talked about it last week. Creation is a gift that has been given to us, that we get to enjoy, but we also get to share. And also the ability that we have to earn. Some people have beautiful minds. Like, Alex has a beautiful mind, amen? Alex has a mind that when we sit in meetings, I'm like, yeah, what he said, because I can't articulate like he articulates. But he doesn't hoard that to himself. He uses that mind to gift others, to bless others. Our ability to earn is a gift from God, and we should use it. That last breath you took, that was a gift. God doesn't owe you anything, but he blesses you that you would be a blessing. So Aaron, come up here. <clears throat> Got some cash here. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to bless you, and I want you to bless someone out here. You determine what, how much. I'm not going to tell you how much, right? But you bless someone. Uh, I do have a wedding coming up. <laughs> 
I could do with $100, personally. You little... Oh, you nearly made me swear. <laughs> Give that back to me. Go and sit down. We look at, we look at Aaron and we go, you're stingy, right? Like, we, I just gave him something, and he's like, no, nah, I'm not giving it away. Church, this is what we do to God. This is what we do to God. We go, thank you. Nah. I'm going to use that for all that I want, and I'm not going to be generous and give that away. Now, to be clear, that was a setup. Aaron is not like that. I know Aaron. He would have gone out going and probably gave the whole lot away. <laughs> so that was a total setup. <laughs> but it's so funny because in 1 Timothy 6, he says, Paul says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Is money bad then? No, it's not. It just says the love of money is bad. It doesn't say money is bad. It can be a real blessing. Because the love of money is bad because when we love money, we can cause humanity to do horrible things to each other. And we can cause ourselves major griefs too in life. Like we look at stuff and we go, I need that. So we go and borrow money to get the, the better car or the bigger house and we over leverage, right? And we pierce ourselves with many griefs because we're trying to pay this stuff off. And that's our own fault. Being good stewards, our money says we live within our means with some margin on the outside to give. That's what a good steward means. So what's your relationship with money? Do you love it more than God? Do you love money so much that you'll do anything to keep it or, or get it? If so, then your life is going to be a never-ending pursuit of something that will never actually satisfy. Ecclesiastes says in 5.10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. I love this. I believe that this was actually written by King Solomon. Now, King Solomon, some believe that he was probably the richest man to ever have lived. Like other nations would just bring tons and tons of gold and give it to him for his wisdom. They say at the time, like silver was nothing. They just chuck it out on the street like it was worthless. So here we have a man who's probably the richest person ever to live. And he says, you know what? If you're pursuing that, you'll never be satisfied. Like he had a thousand wives. One's enough, trust me. <laughs> but he had everything you could ever want, right? All you could ever want. And he says, this too is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. So if you love money and you need to, what we need to do is we need to actually reassess what's really important in life. And you'll say, well, of course you're going to say that, Scott. You're a pastor. Okay, well, here's a quote from Jim Carrey. We all know Jim Carrey, the actor. Very famous man, very funny. He says, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that that is not the answer. He says, I've got it. I've got as much money as I need. I can do whatever I want. People in the street stop me all the time. I've got all the fame. I've done everything I could ever dream of. And guess what? It's not the answer. Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possession. He's like, church, watch out. 
Watch out for all kinds of greed, just not in money, in all areas of your life. Watch out for them, guard against them. Life's not all about your possessions. So what's the answer to greed? Well, it's generosity. In verse 38, Jesus says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said five and two fish. So Jesus asked, what have you got? Like, what do you have in your hands? What do you have to give? And you see, the disciples had a choice here. They could have said nothing. We actually don't have any margin. We've not got nothing to give because we need this for ourselves. Right? They could have just responded like us. That's how we respond. We have nothing to give because our mindset, we have a mindset of not enough. It's not, not, not like we have nothing to give. We actually have plenty, but we want more and more for ourselves. Therefore, what we do is we just convince ourselves that we have no margin, and it's just not true. But in this moment, the disciples brought to Jesus what they had, that little amount they had. They didn't hold it back in greed and fear. They actually brought it. Will you fight greed and bring what you have to Jesus to use? That could be your time. It could be your talents. It could be your gifts. It could be some of your resources. And watch what happens. And when Jesus had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set them to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. What Jesus does, he takes that little that they had and made it feed everyone. God takes a small amount of generosity and he actually multiplies it. You might say, well, Scott, they were the disciples. They knew Jesus would do something. Are we not disciples of Jesus Christ? Do we not believe that God can take something so small and make it great? Have you ever been prompted to be generous to someone? Just a, just a small thing you did, but it made a huge difference in someone's life. Like just the time you feel prompted, it's like, oh, I'm actually going to encourage this person. And that person comes to you and they goes, you have no idea where I was in that moment. I was in a dark moment. And I didn't know if anyone cared. And then you came up and you encouraged me. That small amount of generosity, God multiplied. All the time when you bought someone lunch and they're like, you have no idea what that meant. I was not going to eat today because I didn't have enough money. I was just going to go without. And you just, all you're doing is giving them a lunch or you're giving of your time or loving support to someone going through something really tough and hard. And they're just like, you have no idea what that meant to me. God takes this little offering and does something far more than that person than we could have ever imagined or dreamed. And we've all experienced that at some stage, right? Just a little generosity doing something amazing. Acts 20.35 says, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself. He said, He's more blessed to give than receive. We all know that to be true, right? We all know the joy of giving. And this is what being generous with our time, our talents, and our resources can do, especially when we do it in the power of the Holy Spirit and to glorify God. God takes these small acts of generosity and multiplies it to really affect people's lives. We see this in Alpha. You know, Alpha costs money. We give people free meals, but we believe that it is worth it. Every cent is worth it. Because our small generosity of people coming and volunteering at Alpha, giving of their time, leading people into the love and the grace of God, but that small amount of generosity turns into people going from death unto life, coming to know Jesus, to spend eternity with him. That small amount God multiplies into something crazy and beautiful. 
You know, one of our mission partners for New Life Church is Compassion, where we sponsor kids overseas that can't afford to go to school. Many of them can't even afford shoes. You know, it costs you $2 a day. That's nothing. Like, really, for us in Australia, $2 a day is nothing. But that can change an entire life of someone. They get an education, they get a job, it transforms them, it transforms their family, and it transforms their village. That tiny amount God multiplies to make it something amazing and beautiful. Look inside your heart and ask yourself, is this right? But church, please hear me. Don't do any of this out of guilt. Don't do anything out of compulsion. If you believe, then do it from a cheerful heart. In 2 Corinthians 9, Paul says, Each one of you must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. He's saying to the church in Corinth, Hey, we must give, we must be generous, but don't do it out of compulsion. Don't do it because you feel guilty. Do it out of a cheerful heart. God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. And he wants you to reflect his heart out into the world and be generous. So what was the result of the disciples giving what they had? Verse 42 says, So they all ate and were filled, and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments of the fish. Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. I love this ending because there was enough. There was even more than enough. They took up 12 baskets full of fragments. You know what that means? The disciples had lunch too. Like there was enough, after they'd given what they had, there was enough for the disciples to eat as well. And this is a beautiful part of the story. But we need to understand what is the main point of this story? What is the main point of the feeding of the 5,000? Well, the main point is that Jesus was claiming to be God. You see, in the Old Testament, God fed the nation of Israel out in the wilderness, out in the desert, with manna. And that bread would turn up every morning, but he said, don't collect it. Only eat what you need for that day, otherwise it'll go off. He was teaching them to trust. And Jesus comes along and does the same thing in the wilderness, provides bread and food. He's saying, guess what? That Old Testament God, that's me. I'm here to feed you. But here's the beautiful thing. He's still God today. He still can take the little that we give, and he wants to feed the world in and through our hands. He wants us to be the hands and feet. Mother Teresa says, God gives us things to share. God doesn't give us things to hold. Why? Because when we give, we reflect the God that we actually worship. Now we can say, well, they don't deserve it. It's mine. Imagine if God said that. They don't deserve salvation. They don't deserve me dying on a cross for them. God didn't say that. God loved the world so much that he gave his son that Jesus actually came and said, you know what, I'm going to step into that mess. I love you so much that even though you don't deserve it, I'm going to take on the sin of the world. I'm going to take on your sin. He's going to take on my sin. And he takes it to the cross. And he's destroyed. He's killed because of our sin. But the beauty is he takes our sin to the grave and buries it and raises it again on the third day to prove that he is God and that whoever puts their faith and trust in Jesus is saved. He didn't say, send them away. He said, I'm jumping into that. This is the crazy thing. We serve as such a generous God. John 3.16, what does it say? For God so loved the world, he what? Gave. He gave us his son. 
The Bible talks about Jesus saying that even though he was equal with God, he didn't count equality with God, something to be held onto, something to be grasped. He let go of that, humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. Jesus gave of his life. And then the crazy thing is we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. God himself comes and lives inside of each and every Christian. And then he gives us gifts. Gifts not to use to look like I'm awesome up here, look at me, but it's to, to give, he gives these gifts so that we would use it for the body, that we would use it to the building up of the church, but we would also use them outside to love and serve others. And then he actually gives us a new life, an eternal life. Why is God so generous? Because of love. And church, love gives. Emmy Carmichael says, you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. If we have been transformed by love, then we will love and love gives. Church, if we are children of God, we're called to reflect his character and his nature. So we should be compelled to be generous, just like he's been generous to us. And we will live a life of generosity, giving of our time and our talents. And if we have them, our resources to the mission of God through the local church, but also through all other aspects of life. So why have I preached this message today? Because Alex made me. Because as I started, as I stated at the start of this message, as a pastor, I'm commanded by God to teach the scriptures and the whole Bible, even if it challenges us. Even if it challenges one of the biggest issues our culture faces and we face individually, which is greed. And the Apostle Paul, he commands Timothy, who was a pastor of a church in Ephesus, to teach the same. And that church in Ephesus was believed at the time to be probably one of the biggest churches going around, and he says to Timothy, he goes, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put, to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and be willing to share. In this way, way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so they may take hold of life that is truly life. I love this. He says, command. Timothy, you're a pastor. I want you to command the church. It's not a suggestion. I want you to command them to be generous. He says, don't be arrogant and hope in wealth, but actually trust God. You can enjoy these gifts. Enjoy them, but enjoy them in sharing. Command them to do good, be generous, and to share. And you'll actually have an eternal reward. We're storing up treasures in heaven. He goes, guess what? You will actually take hold of life. You want true life? You want to experience life in its fullness? Be generous. And you will experience life. Remember, it's more blessed to give than receive. Generosity brings life wherever we do it. Does Toby want to come up? So how can we do this? How can we do this, this ever-increasing pull of greed in our lives from our culture, this consumer culture bearing down on us, telling us we don't have enough? Well, we just need to be practical. It's really simple. Like most of life, if you want to change or you want to guard yourself against something, you just need to be practical. And if we believe we can do this in practical ways, where do we start? I always tell people, pray. Start with God. Come before God and go, look at my heart, God. What am I holding on to? Where am I greedy? What are you wanting me to do with this? Where are you wanting me to give? God might drop 
into your mind the person down the street. I would say be obedient to that. Might be just baking them a cake. But let's just see what God can do with multiplying that just in practical ways. You know, for me, each year, I look at my wage and I adopt the biblical principle of giving a percentage of my wage and I go, cool, this is my wage for the year and I'm going to give that to the church. And we have a compassion child. So we set that money aside for her as well. And we have other things throughout the year that we give to, like floods or whatever. But we actually set that aside. Now, here's the reality. I'm just going to be really practical here. Church costs money. Like this building costs money. The lights, to put the lights on costs money. The toilet paper we use when we go to the bathroom, it costs money. It's just the reality of life. And so we're asking if you call New Life home, if you're part of this community, would you partner with us in the mission of God in and through this church? And as I said, we can just set stuff aside. It's, it's really practical. Paul gives this practical advice to the Corinthians. He says, on the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so when I come, come, no collection will have to be made. He's saying, hey, each week, just put something aside. Just put it there. So when I come, I can take that to where it's needed. But it's not like, so when I come, it's like, hey, what do you want to give? And they're like, oh, gosh, I don't know. He's saying, just set some stuff aside. It's really quite practical. The way we can do that is with electronic deductions. I do that with my tithe with my giving to the church. I have it electronically come out. Do you know why? I'm not standing up here going, look at me, I'm awesome. It's because of my evil heart. Because I know if I don't do that, I'll see that money and I'll want to spend it. So as my wage comes in, my giving just goes straight out. And so I know whatever I have left, that I can enjoy that and I can be looking at other opportunities where I can be generous. We do it with all of our life, right? We have electronic deductions going out for all sorts of stuff. But then we should just be looking for opportunities to bless people. Now, the other week, last week, we had a, a guy at my church. He came up to me and he said, hey, I heard this person is really in need and they don't, can't afford to have this. I, I want to bless them. I'm asking if you would give it to them and don't let them know it's me. Ah, I get emotional. I'm like, this is the church. This is God working through his people to love and serve each other. And that heart of, I don't want them to know. It's not about me being awesome. It's just this God told me to give it to him. And his obedience is just beautiful as a pastor. It just warms my heart. But if I don't want to be generous and I feel the need to keep everything to myself, I need to ask a deeper question of my soul. Do I really know the generosity of God and how much he's given me? You know, to be honest, a Christian never really feels like they give enough. When we actually get away from the pool of culture and we sit with God, we know deep down there, there is room for more generosity in our lives. We just know it. So start with asking God and be obedient to that. And I promise you will see God do amazing things with what you give. Just, just imagine with me, if we were a church full of Christians that were generous like God, more people, more like Jesus. Imagine with me, if we were a church full of the Holy Spirit, full of the love of God, that we were a people transformed in our heart, that we were cheerful givers of our time, our talents, and our resources. Man, we would see the kingdom of God as it is in heaven on earth. We would see God transform lives. What change would we see here in Brisbane, 
in our workplaces, in our families, with our friends, if we were just generous. Church, that excites me. Knowing we have this opportunity. And I, got, I know that God will take that little amount we give and multiply it for the good of humanity and the glory of God far beyond what we could ever imagine or dream. I want to leave you with this quote. It's from Corrie Ten Boom. She's just an amazing woman. She says, The measure of a life, after all, is not its duration, but its donation. The measure of a life is not its possessions. It's its donation. A legacy is those things that you leave behind where people go, my life was transformed because that person was willing to give up their time, was willing to love me when I was in a dark place, was willing to give me what I needed. The measure of a life is not its duration, but its donation. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, we come before you. You are such a generous God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come in this moment. That you would open our eyes and our heart to understand how deep and wide is your love and your generosity towards us. Lord, I ask that you would start with me. Help me see how I can be more generous and I can love like you love. Lord, let me hear the call of your Holy Spirit and walk in obedience to you that I would see you glorified, God. Lord, I pray for this church that we'd be the true church of Jesus Christ, our Lord, that we would love like he loves, that we would sacrifice like he sacrificed for us, that we would see this city transformed for your glory, God. So God, I pray that Holy Spirit, you would come just in this moment. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins when we've not been generous and we've been greedy. And I thank you, Lord, that you do forgive us. And in this moment of prayer, if you're sitting there and you've not known this God of generosity, you've not known this God that, that freely gives salvation you don't have to work for it. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to redeem you and restore you. And if you've never come into a relationship with that God, there's an opportunity right now. God is holding out His hand saying, I love you. I want to be with you. I have so much to give you. If that's you, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and repent and put your faith and trust in Him, I'm just going to ask you to do something bold. Is just raise your hand. If you can do that now, I'd love to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for those that raised their hand. God, I pray. I'm so thankful. Lord, I pray that you would just bless them with your grace. Church, can you repeat this after me as we join with them? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I believe you died and took away my sin. But I also believe you rose again in victory. Lord, I ask for the gift of your Holy Spirit that I would live more like you each and every day. Amen. Can we all stand?
You know, there is one thing that I know, that God is worthy of our worship. We should give Him praise and honour and glory. So how about we sing together right now and we give Him what He truly deserves. Let's sing together.